0: Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Clearer Thinking Podcast from Grace Valley Church in Dundas. I'm your host, Paul Vandenbrink, the lead pastor of Grace Valley Church. Thanks for listening. All right, all right, all right. I am back with you here on the Clearer Thinking Podcast. It is good to be with you once again. Uh, I want to say thanks to my main man, Mark, for stepping in last week and guest hosting. I thought he did a fantastic job of walking us through our church's liturgy, helping explain why we worship the way we do at GVC. And then he introduced us to the relaunch of our Spotify playlist. And you know, I hope this is going to become a great resource for all of us going forward, Uh, Maybe some of you are like me. I don't actually know a lot about contemporary Christian music, whether it's worship music or otherwise. And so having a playlist like this is really helpful for me to learn songs that we use in worship so that I can learn to sing them more quickly, uh, catch them more quickly. And just for my own listening pleasure as well, it's nice to have a curated playlist like this that you can— Trust is going to be solid uh, theologically and also aesthetically pleasing as well. Good musicianship behind it all. And then there's, of course, parents of kids, young kids especially. Um, You play this in the car, you play this in the kitchen while cooking or whatever. It is a way to teach not just the songs, but actually to teach the Bible to your children and to do it without them even knowing it. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And you know, through music, uh, we can actually hide God's word in the hearts of our kids. And that's a wonderful uh, thing to be able to do. So take advantage of that playlist, listen to it. And if you're on Apple Music like me, um, don't worry, there's gonna be an Apple Music playlist that you can connect to as well. All right, thanks again, Mark for sitting in last week. And, you know, hopefully we're going to hear more from Mark in the future as well. Uh, But what we're going to do this week is this. I thought I would go back to Sunday's message on Mark chapter 4, Jesus calmed the storm, and then just flesh out a teaching that arises from that passage that I didn't have time to include in the message. Um you know, we call this the clearer thinking podcast. And so I thought uh, I'd try to get us a little clearer thinking on the passage and its teaching. And I didn't get to it in the sermon. But, you know, one of the things that scholars say about this passage, among others in the Gospels, but certainly this one, is that it it is an excellent passage on what's called the internal witness of Scripture. Now, What on earth does that mean? What's that all about? Well, let me do some theology with you for a minute. Uh, We believe at GVC that the Bible is God's Word. Okay, fair enough. But what do we mean when we say that the Bible is God's Word? We mean that its origin is divine, that it came from God. Yes, human authors wrote the words down. But those words were given them by God. So 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, the Bible is inspired by God. You know, the word inspired comes from the Greek word for breathe out. Spirate, you know, to spirate is to breathe out. Well, anyhow, we believe that the Bible is inspired by God through the influence of the Holy Spirit. The biblical authors were led by God to write the things they wrote that make up the scriptures. Now, this means then that we believe that the Bible is infallible. Because God is perfect and because God is true and he cannot lie. The Bible is therefore incapable of error and completely trustworthy in everything it teaches. That's what infallible means. You and I, when we're wondering what's true, when we're wondering what's right, when we want to know how should we live, what should we believe, if the Bible speaks to any issue that we might have, when we go to the Bible to answer those questions, it can be trusted to give us the absolute truth. Of what we should believe. Um, You know, as a Presbyterian church, uh, we are founded upon certain documents. Obviously, the scriptures is the main document that we're founded upon, but we're also founded upon these things called confessions. And as Presbyterians, we're founded upon the Westminster Confession of Faith. And it puts it this way, though I'm going to use a modern paraphrase of it so that it's easier to understand. The authority of the Bible comes completely from God, not from man or from the church. God is truth, and because he's the Bible's author, it should be believed, obeyed, and accepted as the word of God. Okay, so far so good. The question, though, this begs a question, and that question is this, how do we know that the Bible is trustworthy. How do we know the Bible is the Word of God? That it, how do we know that it has no errors and that everything it says is true? Like take this story from Sunday as an example. Jesus calms this incredible storm simply by speaking to it. And like let's face it, that seems pretty far-fetched to our modern ears, right? Aren't you at least a little bit skeptical about whether it actually happened or not? I mean, if you're not skeptical, that's awesome. But if you are, it's understandable. It's, it is an incredible story. It's an unbelievable story, almost literally. And so you can be forgiven for sometimes wondering to yourself, did that really happen? So what do we do about that? Well... Theologians talk about types of evidences that point to the Bible being God's word. And typically they divide them into two types. They talk about external witnesses and internal witnesses. Whenever you're trying to study some ancient historical document, it doesn't have to be just the Bible, it could be any ancient historical document, you look for both internal and external witnesses. Um, and, and you use them uh, to see whether you can trust the document's accuracy. So you ask, should we take this thing seriously? And then you look for certain evidence that suggests, yes, we should take this thing seriously, or no, we shouldn't take this thing seriously. Some of that evidence is from external witnesses, meaning are there documents or sources outside the Bible that either confirm or deny the events recorded in the Bible? And we're actually going to look at one of those, uh, one of those instances this coming Sunday. So stay tuned for that. Um, but some of the evidence that we're looking at are uh, are from the internal witness of Scripture. Meaning, are there characteristics in the document itself? That lead us to believe that this story is authentic. And in the story of the calming of the storm, there's, there's actually good reason to believe it actually happened. And those reasons can be found within the story itself. Here's the thing. Even though the story is very short, it is packed with many, many details. So we're told, for example, it happened in the evening. That's verse 35. Uh, It says that the disciples took Jesus along just as he was. That's verse 36. What that means is uh, uh, Jesus didn't get a chance to get changed or washed up or anything. It even means more than that. If you look earlier in the chapter, you discover that he was actually in a boat doing his teaching when he was teaching the people. So it means that Jesus didn't go on shore between his teaching and heading towards the other side he he just he went from one boat to the other okay and then it also says that there were other boats with them that's verse 36 again and the story tells us that Jesus laid down on a cushion to go to sleep in verse 38 and by the way it also tells us that he was in the stern of the boat for those of us who don't know boat language us landlubbers that means he went to sleep in the back of the boat. Now, as I mentioned, this is a short story. I mean, it's only a few verses long. And the weird thing about all these details is that they have nothing to do with the story itself. They don't advance the narrative, they don't heighten the tension or anything like that. They don't really serve a purpose to the story. And you might think, haha, see? That shows that this is a fiction or that it, maybe it's kind of made up. When we read stories today, they're full of extraneous detail, details that have nothing to do with the plot. Uh, and they're there to make the story vivid in our minds to our imaginations, right? But scholars tell us that the exact opposite is true in ancient writings, in ancient writings, when you write legends, you keep frivolous details out of the narrative. You're always concerned about driving the plot forward, so you use an economy of words. And if you've ever read the Iliad by Homer, for example, you'll know exactly what I mean. But this story in Mark has all these unimportant details. Why? And the best answer to that. is is that these are the memories of a person. The only reason these details would be here is if somebody remembered them. They're eyewitnesses, first-hand memory, probably, of the Apostle Peter, because we know that Mark got his information for his gospel primarily from the Apostle Peter. So, These details are here because they really happened. People didn't write legends this way back then. They just didn't. And you can't just dismiss these stories as legends without looking at how legends were written back then. And they weren't written like this story was. See, either this is an eyewitness report— Or Mark, 2,000 years ago, mind you, okay, he wrote this 2,000 years ago, without any predecessors and without any successors, suddenly anticipated modern narrative realistic fiction. And he wrote this legend, and then immediately afterwards, that form of legend writing stopped again. Nobody else followed him. In other words, 2,000 years ago, there's no predecessors, no successors. Suddenly, he starts writing the way we write fiction today. It had never happened before. It happens for Mark's gospel, and then it never happens again for almost 2,000 years. Now, I find that hard to believe. Now, you might say, well... Go ahead, find that hard to believe. But I find it hard to believe that Jesus could calm a storm like that. And the response to that is, yeah. Yeah, it is hard to believe. The disciples found it hard to believe. Remember, when it happened, they were terrified. They are totally freaking out. Why? Because they couldn't believe a person could do that any more than you or I could believe a person could do that. And then somebody actually did it right before their very eyes. Jesus did it. They saw it, they witnessed it, and they did not know what to do with it. But think about this, okay? What if Jesus actually is who he said he is? He said he was God. That was his point. That's what he was constantly pointing toward when he lived on this earth. He said he was God, right? Well, what if that's true? I mean, if that's true, what is so hard to believe about him calming the storm? It actually makes perfect sense that he could do something like that if he is God. It's not incompatible. Okay. The internal, internal witness of the Scriptures, friends, the way this story is written is an example of that. Now, there's other types of internal witnesses. There's other reasons to believe the Bible is the actual perfect Word of God, completely trustworthy in all it teaches. But this story gives us a good illustration of that one way. The way the Gospels were written as eyewitnesses to Jesus' life and ministry. They were not written as legends. The gospel, according to Mark, was written down within 40 years of the life of Jesus. Within a generation of the death of Jesus. Very, very close to the events of Jesus and they were written with details that would only be included if they were put there by an actual eyewitness. Okay, we're going to end it there for this week. I hope this has helped you. Uh, if it hasn't helped you all that much, well, I, I will just try to give it another shot next week, I guess. Anyway, that's it for clearer thi- the Clearer Thinking podcast for today. Until next time, everybody keep fit. And have fun, and we'll see you again. Bye-bye.